be here and uh, great to be together and great to still be implemented 2,000 years after the inception of the church, the great devotional uh, commitments of uh, prayer and prayer and bread uh, and the word of God and uh, that is what makes uh, the church work. Just as I come to the word this morning, just a couple of things uh, to mention. Firstly, uh, welcome to uh, Stephen Nalini there. Yeah, right at the back. Uh, they're on a very exciting journey of faith with us, and we pray that you'll be amazingly blessed in this next season. Uh, the little baby's there as well, so welcome. And uh, the two boys are downstairs in kids' church, so it's great to see you this morning. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Um, just to say that, uh, as Andy said, let's uh, seek to pray if you can't come this week. Uh, it may be that you don't know what 6.30 is, it may be that you're already at work. And uh, so it's off the agenda. But this is an important season. You sense it in the, in the natural seasons, the night's pulling, it's a new season. And uh, it really is an important time in the life of the church. And we want to pray first and not last. So if you can be with us at all, then you're welcome. And uh, as Andy said, the, the children are downstairs this morning, but as term starts, whether it be school, college, uni, let's be praying for uh, the young people. Just one other thing, uh, a sort of sad piece of news, but uh, many of you would have known Teresa that used to sit near Ireland uh, in the motorised uh, chair, uh, Polish, uh, of course, and uh, in the summer she, she went, you know, that also she, she's very sick, but... Uh, she went to Poland, and sadly, while she was there, she took ill and passed away. And uh, so, uh, if you just pray for her husband that obviously lives locally, um, but we were sorry to hear that news. Ireland's been very helpful in uh, relaying that back to us. Um, but I just thought you'd like to know that, and uh, we'll, we'll be praying for the family. Amen. Um, this morning, I wonder if. Um, so we, we just bring, um, as we move into the autumn, just a little four-week series on the subject, important subject of, of honour. And uh, in a moment or two, uh, I'm just going to take us into that. And uh, I want to read one Bible verse from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It'll come up on the screen, uh, but if you've got a Bible, you may want to turn to it also. 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, verse 30. At 30. I'll give a little bit of context for the verse in a, in a moment or two, but this is uh, what the uh, Bible verse says. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, so God says something is worth listening to, I promise that members of your family would minister before me forever, but now declares the Lord, far be it from me, those that honour me I will honour, those that despise me will be Disdains. It's that little phrase right in the middle that I want to just for us to think about for a moment this morning. God speaking, those that honour me, I will honour. I think that's a life principle and uh, it's well worth uh, taking note of. Let we you go back to the screen. Let me give you a little bit of context for this particular verse. God speaking. God calls Samuel as a boy to be a prophet to the nation. So you know the the story well, how that he he fails to 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 hear what what God said. God's God's beginning to stir something up in the nation, uh, and the reason that God calls Samuel is because he's displeased with what's taking place in the nation at that time. Um, 
and what had taken place was that the priesthood uh, that represented God before his covenant people sadly had become corrupt, backslidden, and had fallen far from God. It was exemplified in Eli, the chief priest, and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. If you begin to read through Samuel, you begin to read the story of how God dealt with the, the family of the priesthood. And so God comes to speak to them. God's on a journey of looking down the line of calling Samuel as a boy, asking his mother to separate him unto the service of God. And then into the next chapter, that specific call gathers pace when um, Samuel recognizes that God's speaking to him. And even as a young man, God uh, uses him in an amazing way to speak to the nation. But what I want to just grasp this morning is that when people dishonored the Lord's, um, then it caused something to move in the heart of God. And God comes with this principle of those that honor me, I will honor. A dishonoring of God brings a consequence. And uh, we need to really recognize that. So here's where we're going. And I'm just going to open it up this morning. I'm going to lay a few principles in and then Christian will just take that forward over the next few weeks. But we live today in what, generally speaking at times, is a dishonoring culture. And how many of you know that culture out there wants to influence the culture of the kingdom? But Jesus said that we're to be salt and light. And so God's called us as kingdom people to influence that culture. Generally speaking, trends today are dishonoring. And of course, as there's been a development of things like social media, could be used wonderfully for encouragement, for building up, for cheering up. And of course, like all modern means of communication, it can also be used in a wrong way. I, I was reading an article in Time magazine just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it had got uh, uh, an article on this whole area of, of people uh, using social media to be abusive. It's called, amongst other words, trolling, where and often people will hide behind uh, anonymity, a, a, a false name. And uh, so it's got a graph of the different webs, uh, social media sites that are used. And uh, I thought Twitter was bad, but Twitter's right in the middle, right up this end, are specific sites that are particularly used to pull people down. It's what we sometimes call the tall poppy syndrome. So somebody gets raised up, but if there's a dishonoring culture, it's very often that people don't want to build up, they want to knock down. And we need to be careful in our attitude, in our language, and more importantly in our spirits, that we don't carry an attitude of dishonor. Arena Church freshly wants to affirm that we want to be an encouraging and honoring people. We want to carry an honoring culture both in the church and also from the church. And I'll try and illustrate that in a moment or two. In the Old Testament, the word for honor would carry the thought of giving, this, giving esteem uh, to glorify. Uh, it would also sort of uh, have a sense of carrying that word heavy. Glory in the Old Testament carries the thought of weight. In other words, it would be so honoring that it would carry weight and influence to other people's lives. 
in the New Testament, the language of the New Testament being different, honor speaks of to prize, to value, to treat as precious. And in the moments we've got this morning, I want to give you five planks or principles that I see running through the Bible of honor. Maybe some of these will be addressed a little bit more uh, in another week, but I'm just going to run through them quickly this morning. And uh, I just want us to be reminded that this is such an important truth. Number one, we bring honor to the Lord's. Seems pretty obvious. But of course, we live in a day when many people do not bring honor to the Lord's. And he's worthy of it. This morning, as we've praised, as we've worshipped, as we've listened to songs, we've been extolling, we've been magnifying, we've been blessing, we've been lifting. But all that brings honor to the Lord. He's created an atmosphere, an environment where God is lifted up and blessed and praised. But let me just remind you two or three other things where we can bring honor to the Lord this morning. We bring honor to the Lord through our bodies. You may say, well, you've not seen mine lately. But the reality is that in Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, right at the end it says, honor the Lord with your body. Now, this, I don't have time to open it up, but maybe in another context later in the autumn we'll return to it. But here is where we have huge confusion in society today. And one of the great uh, errors of the New Testament, or, or rather, where the New Testament was written to, was that people sought to divorce their spirituality, in quotes, from how they lived in the body. It's called Gnosticism, don't worry about it. But people thought they'd sort of got a, a higher view of spirituality that either took them to extreme asceticism, so they'd lie on beds and nails and walk through life and prove it, you don't have to do that. But on the other side, they'd say, well, it doesn't matter how we live in the body, because all matter is evil and all spirit is good. And it created issues. I want to say that I, I think that lots of people live as Gnostics today. In other words, they claim a spirituality that divorces how they live in the body. But the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We know that one day it's going to fade away. We know that one day we're going to go to eternity. We know that it's not going to last forever, however many pills and tablets and potions people take. We know that. We know there are people today that are still trying to discover the the the, uh, the, uh, the secret of living. Probably not going to happen. The, the body is... is passing away. But the reality is that whilst we've got one, it's important. It's, it's the temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. And you cannot divorce your spirituality from your physicality. You really can't. The Bible says that we're to honor God with our body. We're also to honor God with our wealth. Proverbs 3, 5. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crop. Now, when that word wealth is talked of in the Bible, very often people think of being wealthy. Well, I'm not, they may say, I'm not wealthy. Look at my bank account. I don't own a home. I'm not wealthy. The word perhaps more ought to be substance. In other words, God's given all of us something. It may be lots, and it may seemingly be little, but God has called us to honor him with our substance. First fruits is speaking about priority, about giving 
the first of what God's given to us. Someone says that the greatest deterrent to radical generosity in the Christian church is the illusion that this earth is your home. In other words, when we just think about now, when we just think about me, when we just think about the material, that we tend to push back on what is God's. But when we realize that it's all God's, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the reality is that we, when we sow about substance, we are not just sowing into the natural, we are sowing into the eternal. It brings a whole different motivation to making God the priority in our lives. And we're to honor the Lord with our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, that they seek to honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. If you read the context, he's speaking about the religious people. A religion always does that, friends. We are not into religion in Arena Church. We are into relationship. Religion pays lip service to God. It's, it's as a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. Religion always does that. It's full of words. But religion pays lip service. Reality and relationship brings our heart, our whole being to God and honors the Lord, not just in what we say, but how we live. Out of the heart is the wellspring of life. Why do people do terrible things in the earth? Because they've got a terrible heart. And because that heart has not been saved and redeemed and restored, and because people aren't allowing that heart to be changed and shaped and cleansed, spilling out from it come terrible things. We read about it daily in the press and the media. So honoring the Lord. Number two, briefly, we're to honor our father and mother. This is a commandment that sits old in the New Testament. Now, you may be like me this morning and... Uh, my father and mother are no longer on this earth because they've passed on. But let me just mention two or three things about this command. Number one, it's very specific. Mentioned, as I say, both in the Old and the New Testament. Number two, there's no cut-off date in relation to age. And so I, I didn't get, when I left, when I left home at 20, 22 to go to Bible college, it weren't that well, I've left home now, I can, I can sort of be dishonoring to my parents. Number three, marriage brings a relational dynamic change which should be honoured by the parents of the people getting married, leaving and cleaving. One of the great problems, friends, in family is people forget. They understand the cleaving, they don't sign up to the leaving. But if you're a parent and your kids get married, something changes that you need to honour, that they no longer first and foremost belong to you, they belong to the person they've got married to. However, this new relationship does not mean that it diminishes the principle of honour. Let me just say that honouring parents does not mean that we have to engage in things that are contrary to the word of God. People that found themselves in abusive relationships do not have to pull up with it. They need to find help. Can I say to parents today that you need to guard your children's peer influences be that friends, film, other aspects of the media, because if you come across situations that are deliberately sowing into your kids' attitude of dishonor and dismissiveness to their parents, it needs to be addressed. And it needs to be addressed by you. And you need to make decisions to 
bring that about because if that gets deep within them and it's so deep within, then it produces a harvest. Not a harvest for goods, but a harvest for bad. The famous quote from Mark Twain said this, when I was a boy of 14, my father was ignorant. I could barely stand to have him around. By the time I reached 21, I was astonished by how much the old man had learned. He's gone out of lessons. Has any mum and dad ever been there with your 14-year-old kid thinks you're, you're completely useless, you don't know what you're talking about? And then when they get to the 20s, they throw their arms around you and say, you were right all the time. I am so thankful that I do not have to go through raising adolescent children anymore. Thank you. <laughs> Number three, we have to honor one another. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 simply says, honor one another above yourselves. This is one of the over 50 one another's in the New Testament. It talks about uh, and, and it reflects, friends, that we are not called to isolationism. I just get staggered at times when I get Christians confessing to me things that aren't in the Bible. God's told me to have a timeout. Where's that in the Bible? It's in basketball, it's in American football, it's not in the church. It's not in the church. You are not called to how long the timeout going to last. You don't know because the Bible doesn't tell you how long it's going to last. I want to tell you carefully, friends, you can have a timeout six weeks later if it backslidden. Be careful. Be careful. The Bible, friends, calls us to community. He calls us to body life. He calls us to gathering. He calls us to realize that there is something that happens when we come together like this that doesn't happen when we're on our own. He's always with us. He never fails us from Satan's, but he has called us to be part of a gathered community and the one and others roll out from that context. The more you read the, the, the New Testament, you more, the more you realize that we cannot escape the challenge. Love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, care for one another, submit to one another, forgive one another. So we could go on and honor one another above yourselves. In an age when community is diminished and uh, observers tell us that one in three people do not talk to their neighbor or even know their name. Question, it's a rhetorical question, I'm asking to answer it. Do you know the name of your neighbor? Because lots of people, friends, are walking around with their head down, stuck into a phone and not talking to anybody. A community is diminished. As community gets diminished out there, community needs to be enhanced in the church. We need to give a picture, friends, of all sorts of different people, age groups, temperaments, backgrounds, and journeys that are merged and melted together in the love of Jesus Christ. And when it works well, friends, there is nothing like it in the earth. Relationships in the cyber world. Bring little commitment or accountability. <clears throat> I would love some people that have sent me emails, again, sometimes Christians, to have done that to my face. But you see, it's easy to say, send something in ink and temper on an email. It sometimes, it somehow doesn't seem as bad. But the person on the end of it, it feels really bad. But we live in an age, friends, where people hide. They don't even hide behind their real name at times. 
And uh, they hide behind anonymity. I remember a friend of mine once, she went to a big Anglican church at the vicar, and he started, uh, after the honeymoon period, to get some of those letters, you know, about how he ought to be leading the church. And numbers of them were anonymous. So he told the story about how one Sunday, he got up, he had some letters in his hands. He says, I received some letters from members of the congregation with no name at the bottom. This is what I do to those letters. <laughs> that probably clinched it for them and they went, you know, but, uh, but friends, if we're going to say something, let's put our name to it. If we've got a principle, if we've got something that concerns us, if we've got something that we need to talk to somebody about, if we need to put something right, let's do it in winsome community. Face to face, heart to heart, man to man, woman to woman. So it's so important that we live in the body of Christ. And when we get the body of Christ together, the Bible says that we are supporting joints together. Honor oils the joints of the body. And something takes place when we create honor one to another. When we prize, when we value, when we esteem the community of believers, both by our language and behavior. If something goes wrong, we seek to put it right quickly. If there's an apology needed, we make it and don't always wait for the other person. Something takes place. Something starts to get released. Something is established when the church honors one another. Number four, we're to honor the king. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor the king. I know that we've not got a king. We've got a queen. I must have said God save our gracious queen so many times during the Rio Olympics. Wasn't it incredible? And uh, over 60 times, I didn't do it every time, but I, I, I love to see the fact that we did well. We had a great attitude to it. But the reality is that every time we, we have a special occasion, our queen is honoured through the anthem. You may not like it, you may like it. Uh, I love the Fiji, anybody heard the Fijian national anthem? You see, if you're as old as me, there was an old hymn called Yulong. And uh, in fact, I'm almost tempted to sing it, but we're not going to. But you, and the Fijian national anthem is beautiful. We were singing it on holiday, and our kids said, Oh, so they were the songs that attracted people to church, were they? <laughs> what an amazing queen we've had, friends. By the way, I'm not saying you've got to sign up to be a royalist to be a member of the community of believers. You have a conviction about that. But I want to go to it in a moment. What an amazing. Queen we have had that ruled over us. And in, in uh, shaky times, and we haven't seen some shaking in the political world, even this summer, there has been a constant for I don't know whether you listen carefully, but certainly in the last five or six years, her <coughs> speech on Christmas Day has been full of the gospel. Yeah. And I say it carefully this morning, but make no mistake that our Queen was a very devoted follower of Jesus. But the wider implication this morning, friends, is that we're to honour civic leaders and authorities. How easy it is to get negative in these areas, being nationally or not local. And brings that never collect up the collective of one colour bin. I mean, we're up to three, but I, I was talking to someone who's got seven. Seven bins. <laughs> the potholes. Well, they are bad, you know. Making comments like they're wasting money on crazy politically correct schemes. All politicians.
passions are corrupt. That's setting you. Now, there may be some truth to elements of this, but we can get to a place where we dishonor And the Bible calls us, friends, to be honoring of civic leaders and authorities. Because listen, he's pulling in place. And so we deliberately let know our local MPs that represent this, the constituency around him are in the church, Erebosh, Amber Valley, Mansfield, Ashfield. We let the MPs know that we're praying for them. We let school teachers know that we're praying for them in schools. We respect them. Those that bring headship and leadership. We understand the incredibly complex uh, challenge that they have. We, we thank God for them. We, we pray for our local police, for our local emergency services, for our local councillors. We may not always agree with what they do. It doesn't mean that we've got to agree with what they do. We want to honour them. We want to bring a culture of honour. And I want to tell you, friends, when some of these people are trying to make a difference, and you, we've got up at times and just said, just to let you know we're praying for them, it's just incredible what they feel about that. Because so often they get the barbs. So often they got somebody angry. So often they've got somebody saying, I want you to do it, I want you to do it now. So the principle of the New Testament is that we are honouring the civic leaders and authorities. Indeed, the Bible tells us in Timothy to pray for those that are in authority. We'll do that this week in terms of our prayer collective. It brings honour. If you're not still convinced, then read Matthew 17 and 22 and we'll find that Jesus, when asked some difficult poses, turned the... Uh, questions back on people and was very respectful even of what was seemingly an oppressive Roman regime at that particular time. Let's be intentional as a local church to pray for those that carry leadership. Let's do it in our prayer days. Let's do it as part of our honour. Let's believe that we'll be sought of light praying into the future. And finally, friends, as we thought about honouring the lords, as we thought about honouring father and mother and you'll appreciate in the context of a sunday morning that it's not for me to be digging over these things in depth there's other times to do that as we think about honoring one another honoring the king then finally let's think about honoring the ministry of the word 1 timothy chapter 5 verses 17 to 18. it worries me in these days when people say well you know we don't really need the word anymore you know we, we don't need the word friends if ever we need the word is now need the word of God. And when Paul writes to Timothy, Paul, a spiritual father in the faith, writes to Timothy, a spiritual son in the faith, two books at the end of the Old Testament, ten chapters in all. One of the mere coiling values of Paul writing to Timothy is to encourage Timothy to be honouring of the word of God, both in his preparation, both in his application, and both in his delivery to the people. There's no room from that. The charge, as we call it, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, not charging to do with electricity or charge to do with battles, but charge in terms of speaking over ministers and leaders, the custodianship of people, sheep, as Andy mentioned this morning, that God's given us care of, preach the words, the instant, in season, and out of season. In other words, when it's been easy to get it ready, or when it's been tough to get it ready. When sometimes it seems always going really well, and sometimes when it seems really bad, we keep ministering the word of God. I would be saying to any Christian, be they a new believer or a believer of maturity, make sure that you're in a community of believers where the word of God is honored. 
may not be the best preacher, communicator, and teacher, but you know there's a value of honoring of the Word of God. And the Bible says that those that bring the preaching and the teaching of the Word are worthy of double honor. Now you might say, well, you would say that, wouldn't you? But the reality is, I'm not saying it. The Bible is saying it. The Bible is saying it, friends, because when we honor people that bring the Word of God, it's an expression that we're honoring something even more important than that, and that is the words of God. Perhaps that will be returned to in another week. Of course, there have been cases and you may be able to point them to me on the door afterwards where leaders have indulged in extreme opulent lifestyles on the basis of abusing this scripture. Gated mansions, huge cars. Well, it does say all of the leaders. Of course we're not going there. But the reality is, friends, that there have been many that have labored in the word that have not received no honor. Never mind about double honor. See, I, I know of churches where people decided, in quotes, to withhold the tithes. And they've done it for only one reason. Because we want to change the pastor. So let's get rid of this one and bring another one in with no change of attitude. Clearly, there are specific contexts and challenges to consider. And the reality is at times that even the Apostle Paul lived by vocation. You heard Christian last week speaking when him and Caroline were sharing from the couch how the, for numbers of years he ministered by vocation and the same thing in 14, 15 years when we were about to knock it, leading a church, running a full-time job, the Apostle Paul tent make him understand all these seasons. But the Bible says also that those that preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, released on to get in the word of God ready to people so that they can grow. That's why the tithes we talked about it in the context, needs to be brought to the storehouse. I've done a lot of reading on this. I cannot find one Bible commentator anywhere that does not believe that the storehouse is the local church. We bring the tithe prince as a, as, as, to the local church as an acknowledgement of our honoring of the Word of God. To do otherwise runs the danger of becoming dishonoring of the Word of God. In Malachi, in the context of Tice, I was listening to a well-renowned speaker saying some time ago that there may be bread in the house. And it was like a revelation to me. Friends, I don't know whether you've ever been to a church where there's no fresh bread. In other words, there's no word. There's no crude words. It's not a good place to be. I mean, how many of you would like a loaf that's four weeks old for your snap this week? You know, I want fresh bread. I want fresh bread. I want something that, you know, and to go to a church, friends, where often, out of a dishonoring culture, there's no fresh bread, is not a good place to be. Let's believe, friends, in a reader church, that the bread will remain fresh. So I close. It may be this morning that just one thing I've mentioned has dug deep in your hearts by the Spirit. I just want to encourage us over these next two or three weeks to bring a great heart and attitude to God. Say to God, if I need to make some adjustments here that will work out practically in my life, I'm open for it. It's a principle that we cannot ignore or excuse. 
that we've seen in the scriptures this morning, we do so at our peril. I believe that honor opens something up in the heavenlies of the favor of God. So we've tried to wrestle with a few things this morning. And seeing that honor needs to be a lifestyle that works out in our individual lives, in our home and family, in our citizenship, in our church community to one another and to our leaders because it's a reflection of the honoring of the word of God. It carries a heart that values those things in our life that really matter. And it inevitably brings as an outflow blessing in return. Those are what I need. 